0: We're going to read from Revelation chapter 1. And we're reading from the New King James Version. (laughs) Revelation chapter 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth to him who loved us and washed us from our sins. In his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, And his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace. And his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Write these things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches.
1: All right. If you could turn again in your Bibles to Revelation chapter one, and uh, what a what a rich uh, portion of Scripture. Uh, to have a look at this evening we're thinking about the King in all his glory and Jesus among his church particularly. Uh, but before we get into it I'm going to pray because there's 20 verses here um, that's a lot of sermons and uh, we don't have time for all of that so I'm going to pray and ask uh, the Lord to help uh, me and to help us. Lord, we thank you for this word. Uh, we thank you for the richness of it. I just pray, Lord please help me. Uh, So many things uh, to say or could be said. I pray you guide my thoughts. Uh, Lord, we want to see uh, Jesus like those uh, uh, men long ago uh, wanting to see Jesus. Uh, Lord, that's what we desire this evening. We pray that you would help us to see him in the words of this book. And we pray for the ministry of his Holy Spirit in our hearts to uh, change us, to challenge us, and to draw us to him. And we ask this for his sake and ultimately for his glory. Amen. All right, so uh, Revelation uh, chapter 1, and uh, the theme for this weekend is the King in all His glory, and here we have in Revelation, uh, we have uh, the Jesus among His church. So let's get straight in uh, to verse 1, and uh, point number 1, Jesus is the center of Revelation, center of the book of Revelation. We start off in verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave Him to show his servants. Uh, this word revelation uh, is used quite a number of times in the New Testament. It's to do with unveiling. It's to do with showing something that wasn't known. Uh, there is no way that we could know the events of the end of the world. And yet in the Bible, God has told us what happened in the beginning when none of us were there. He also tells us what's going to happen at the end. And so we can have confidence. This is a book from God. There is no book in the world like the Bible. And the revelation of Jesus Christ uh, can also be the revelation from Jesus Christ. This revelation is both from him and it is about him. It reveals uh, more of who he is and how he is key in the end times as situation of the world uh, comes to a conclusion. Uh, the revelation comes from God the Father. Uh, he gave it to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ uh, brought it to his servants Uh, and that's you, that's me. Uh, Originally, obviously, it was brought to John. John brought it to the church there of the first century, Uh, but ultimately, it's remained in the Bible because God wanted it right here today for you and I to read. We are his servants. And it says the events which must shortly take place. um, This word, uh, shortly, uh, sometimes uh, is translated quickly. Uh, Sometimes the idea is of speed, And sometimes it's the idea of something that might happen uh, without a great deal of warning. Now, if we just skip to the last chapter uh, in Revelation 22, we see some very similar parallels to this. In verse 6, it says there, He said to me, These words are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the Holy Prophets sent his angels to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Verse 7 says, Behold, I am coming quickly, Jesus speaking. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And that echoes verse 3. In verse 12 it says, uh, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. And finally in verse 20, Jesus says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. So one of the first things just to consider uh, is this word, Jesus is coming soon or coming quickly. Does that mean that uh, the events are to happen at any moment? uh, Or does it mean that when they do happen, they will happen quickly? Uh, Well, you can find out yourself. You can go and look through the Bible and do a word study of this word, takos, and see how it's used. Um, But I'm just going to give you an illustration uh, from the college. So I work at New Charles Mission Bible College uh, we train missionaries. And um, in, the, in the past, we used to have room inspections. Now, one particular morning, uh, two of our, our, our two young boys decided that they were going to empty the cornflakes and the Rice Krispies and some oil that they found in the, uh, in the cupboard. Uh, we left them alone for literally like one minute whilst we went through to the other room. We came back and there was just chaos all over the floor. Now, back in those days, you used to have room inspections. They, they happened unannounced. And a member of staff could come to your room at any time and just have a look around. Well, you can imagine we were terrified all day long. We were just living in a a, a cloud of adrenaline, fearful that somebody's going to come into our room. Now, just imagine that you're there as a student, okay? And uh, a room inspection could happen at any moment. Well, would it make a difference if if the focus was on the fact that the, the person doing the inspection... When they come to your room, they're going to move quickly. But they might not come for several years. Or the idea that they could just show up anytime. Which one would motivate you to keep your room clean and tidy? Well, when we look at Jesus' emphasis on this, I am coming quickly, my reward is with me. For me, I think the emphasis there is on the fact that this could happen uh, at any moment the idea is that we need to be ready the lord could come and uh, we need to be day by day ready for uh, that coming uh, of the lord jesus now how then would you explain this is the first century and jesus says here or the the writer says here um these are things are shortly going to come to pass well that was 2000 years ago so how do you explain that is 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 that a lie that when, 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 when John here wrote, these things are shortly going to come to pass, it's now 2,000 years later. How would we explain that? Well, you can uh, have a discussion over coffee and you can uh, have some ideas. Um, let me just throw something at you and just uh, you can have a think about this one. But in 2 Peter 3, it says there, in a discussion about people saying, ha, Jesus is not coming back. Where's the promise of his coming? Ha, that was a long time ago. It says there, there that a day with the Lord is 1,000 years. And a thousand years to the Lord is just a day. Anyway, you can have a think about that one. Okay, so uh, we see here this book, uh, Revelation, uh, Christ is the center of it. So if we want to understand the book of Revelation, uh, and admittedly there are lots of things in here that people discuss and different opinions on, Uh, nevertheless we can all be agreed the center of the book of Revelation is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's here in chapter 1. He's there in chapter 22, and all everything in between is really all revolving around the Lord Jesus Christ. But then in verse 2, we see that uh, Jesus is the center of the Bible. Uh, Verse 2 says that um, uh, he bore witness to the Word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw. So John was bearing witness to the the living Word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and he was bearing witness to the written Word of God. Uh, John wrote these things down that we would have them today. And his testimony is true. So Revelation uh, bears witness to the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the only Son of God. There are not multiple gods and there are not multiple sons of God. Jesus is the only Son of God. And just bear in mind that when this was written, the emperor on the throne at the time was saying to people, you must bow down to me. Because I am your God. That's, what the, that's where the Roman emperors have got to at this point in history. They were saying, you must worship me because I am God. And I am a son of God. And John is saying, no, there's only one son of God. And his name is Jesus. He's the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. Now, in the days that we live, lots of people uh, out in the world, they're interested in the book of Revelation. And um, they read it, and they come out with all kinds of ideas. But why is it they can't understand the book of Revelation? Well, because they don't understand the key person in the book of Revelation, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And to understand a book like this, we definitely have to be people who are in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The world would like to know what's going to happen in the future, but they don't want Jesus. Earlier this year, I was on an Easter Speakout in uh, Southport, and uh, we were doing the open-air work, and I heard a couple of people come at the back of the meeting, and uh, one of them says to the other one, oh, who are these people? And and the other one says, oh, they're Jesus people. And uh, at the time, it was intended to be an insult. It was intended to be a put-down. But I've thought about it, and actually, I think that's a badge of honor. Right? You know, to be known as, oh, they're the Jesus people. They're the people who are always talking about Jesus. Yeah, because he's great to talk about. He's the Son of God. He's the Lord of Lords. He's coming back and he's going to reign. It's, it's, it's great to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. We can be Jesus' people. So the key to the Bible is Jesus. And the key to understanding the Bible, of course, is having a relationship with him. And uh, this e- uh, this weekend, we are going to be blessed. It says, verse 3, blessed is the one who reads and those who hear and those who keep. So this weekend, we know that God will bring a blessing to the meetings Um, not because of the brilliance of those who are speaking, but because God has promised when we listen to these words and we think about the Lord Jesus Christ and we think about Him coming again, we're going to be blessed. But we should keep the words, okay? It's not just enough to hear and walk away. Uh, There's some practical applications to our lives. Now, as you know, there's many different views on Revelation. However, we can all agree that Jesus is going to reign. Jesus is going to reign. He is the king and he's going to one day be seen as the king of all. Satan is going to be defeated. God is going to be vindicated. God is going to be seen as he is just and he justifies all the ones who believe in Jesus. But let me ask you, are you one of those ones here this evening? Large group, a lot of people here, possible that you might be here. Go to church, read the Bible, pray, but is the Lord Jesus Christ is he your Savior? and if he 's not, then tonight is a great opportunity to come and say, look I I, I I want to be I want to know the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to know and understand uh, what it is that he says in his word i want to I want to be forgiven for my sins, I want to know i 'm going to heaven, um, and that 's possible for any person who turns to him, uh, boy or girl, man or woman, you can do that uh, this evening. Now, God is going to cause this present earth and universe to pass away with fire. Now, that will be real global warming um, on a a pretty global scale as well. But it's just not yet. Uh, Again, in Revelation 21, verse 1, uh, uh, John writes there, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no more sea. God is going to produce a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem, a new world, in which all of the old things that have been a burden and a drag are gone. No more sin, no more death, no more curse, no more suffering. Genesis and Revelation are the bookends of the Bible. Everything we see introduced in Genesis finds its culmination in Revelation and God finishes all those things that went wrong in the beginning. 2 Peter 3 verse 13 says, Nevertheless we, according to his promise, We look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Do you ever get fed up looking at the newspaper? Do you ever get discouraged? Do you ever get get depressed looking at the state of the world? This is not the end. The end is what God has planned and nothing can stop Him. Revelation 21 verse 1 says, He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Heaven is going to be a place of holiness, Purity and love forever. Love never fails. Our faith will be sight. Our hope will be completed. But love will continue. Verse 3 of Revelation 22. There will be no more curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. His servants shall serve Him. And they shall see His face. And His name shall be on their foreheads. Every promise of God fulfilled. When we stand on the other side in heaven and we look back, and we look at all the promises of God, what He said was going to happen, every single one of them will be fulfilled. Just like now we look back on the first coming prophecies of Jesus. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. He's going to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. He's going to be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Those 30 pieces of silver are going to be thrown down in the temple. That money is going to be used to buy the field belongs to a potter. Every single thing that God said and promised to us, we will see He's done exactly what he said. Years ago, I was about three-quarters of the way through language learning in the jungles of Papua New Guinea. I was learning the Innerpang language, and I was really discouraged. Um, those of you who learned another language, you can you can say sentences, right? But when you try and get sentences into paragraphs and paragraphs into stories, it's really hard, right? Okay? And I was at that point, and I was just getting discouraged, banging my head against. And I began to think, what is the point of me being out here in the jungle? Do you know what? I think I should just go home. I should just go home. Well, that morning, I read in my quiet time, Psalm 46, Psalm 46. And listen to verse 10. Verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And this thought came to me. Do you know what? God is going to do this. He has promised. He said. His word... And here's a people group in the jungle, they've never heard the gospel before, and there's no one else learning the language apart from me and my co-workers, maybe, perhaps I should stay. Well, we did, and I'm glad that we did. But you know what, that can be an encouragement in your situation, wherever you are, where uh, perhaps your work, or or, or the church situation, or, or life in general, is getting you down. God is going to be exalted. It cannot be changed, it cannot be broken. Now when you're playing chess with somebody, we have any chess players here? Okay? You know, the the big thing about chess players is you're trying to deceive your opponent, right? You you're trying to you're trying to take their queen, okay? You don't tell them, "Oh, by the way, the next move I'm going to take your queen." Right? That doesn't work. But you know what? The way God does things, God tells his opponent Satan, he tells him exactly how he's going to do things. He writes the book of Revelation, "Oh, by the way, this is how I'm going to defeat you at the end." He tells his opponent. He tells him every single move he's going to make, and he tells his, God. Tells him what he's going to do in response to that. Who does that? Only God, because nobody can stop God. God has His plan, His person, the Lord Jesus Christ, and He's going to do everything He said. Uh, Isaiah 11:9, the earth it will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Habakkuk 2:14, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Philippians 2:10. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is God, is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is the center of revelation. Jesus is the center of the Bible. Some have said in the Old Testament, He's concealed. In the New Testament, He is revealed. But is He the center of your life? Is He the center of your life? Uh, I remember when I first got involved in beach missions, I was kind of like trying to be like my friends uh, during the week. On Sunday, I put a little Christian face on and, uh, and act accordingly, um, but trying to, trying to straddle the two sides, trying to, trying to be like my friends and yet at the same time trying to, trying to follow God. Uh, it's pretty uncomfortable doing that. And uh, a beach mission team went to London. It was very helpful, really catalyzed my life to make me realize, you know what, um, if we're going to be for Jesus, why don't we just be all out for Jesus? Yes, we'll get criticism, But this is the Christian life uh, that I had been missing before. Uh, A couple of days ago, I was talking to a student who's just come to the college. About four weeks ago, he was involved in a serious car crash. And uh, it was a a, a person actually was committing suicide, just drove head in to uh, head on to his car at high speed. And uh, and he he very nearly lost his life. But he, he just told me about how in the aftermath of those few seconds, as the car is still sort of in the process of crashing, you know, what's important? What's important in life? And he said, you know what, now he's coming to the college, he's training to be a missionary. Do you know what, those moments make us think, what is really important in life? Is it the career, you know? Is it the bigger house, the bigger car? Is, is that what's really important? Or is it the souls of men and women, of where they go when they leave this world, of living lives that are all out for God with Christ at the center? A couple of years ago now, um, I came across uh, a, a book and uh, read in there a, a little illustration about the Bible. And uh, I'd like to share this with you because I found it so helpful to me. Um, there's some biographies up there, and I want to give those a plug. Uh, biographies are great, Christian biographies, missionary biographies, uh, biographies of people who have done things for God. Do you know what they're going to have in common? Every single one of them, those people have done things for God. What they'll have in common is there'll be people who read the Word of God. They read the Word of God. And, uh, and, and those who read the Word of God, they study the Word of God. Funnily enough, those are the ones that God uses. But how does that work? Okay? Is it that if I just keep reading my Bible, like, you know, ticking off, does that, does that make God happy with me? And uh, that makes me more godly or more spiritual? What's the connection between reading the Bible and becoming more holy? Well, if you just uh, have a look in your Bibles in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and uh, verse 15. And uh, this is something that's really helped me. Maybe it doesn't help you, but it's really uh, helped me appreciate the need to read God's Word and to have a quiet time. And uh, Paul is giving an illustration, and he's talking about uh, the Jews. And he says, even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. So in other words, they hear the Old Testament being read, and the Jewish people, they hear the words, but a veil is on their heart. They don't hear, they don't understand, they don't believe. Then he says, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. When, when we become a Christian, when we start reading the Old Testament, suddenly it starts making sense. Now the Lord is a Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, we're believers, we can understand what God says in Scripture, beholding in a mirror, the Bible's like a mirror, we read the mirror of God's Word, we behold in a mirror the glory of the Lord, We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, here's the application. When we read God's Word, and I would say when we read it unhurried, we're not in a rush, we look into the Word, Old Testament or New Testament, and we see Christ. And as we gaze on his glory, we think about the stories that we're reading, we we see Christ uh, in action, doing things. As we look at that word, something begins to happen. And so the more time that we spend reading the word of God, this transformation is going on in our hearts. If you can uh, just go on to the next um, slide there. So. This illustration helps us understand this is why those biographies are full of ordinary people who did extraordinary things for God. They're just people who spent time in God's Word. And when they spend time in God's Word, the glory begins to, to change them. And they become a little bit more like Christ, and a little bit more like Christ, a little bit more like Christ. And the Lord shows them things in His Word that maybe aren't perhaps right in their life. And rather than run away, they respond and they say, yes, Lord, you're right, uh, there's some things that I've been looking at, there's some things I've been doing and they're not right and I, I want to follow you and we deal with it and we this this process of glory continues uh, step by step from glory to glory to glory to glory. And that, friends, that's the connection. That's why reading God's Word over time produces transformation and change in our lives. Um, what about tomorrow morning? If you're not somebody who's in the habit of reading the Word of God Start tomorrow, okay? Start tonight. <laughs> Just pick a chapter and read. You know, you can read uh, through the epistles uh, by Christmas. If you read uh, a chapter a day and two chapters at the weekend, you can get through all the epistles. If you start in Romans, you can get right to uh, and, and, and Revelation as well. You can do that by the end of the year. And then in the new year, you can start off in Genesis and go through. I've printed out a bunch of the YL Bible reading schemes. Um, I have them here if you'd like one. Um, I'll also put some on our display stand back there. You can take one from there. But uh, what about that? And for those of us who've been reading the Bible for a long time, have you noticed, like I've noticed, that Monday to Friday, you know, I've got my job to do, it's a bit busy in the morning, I I do read the Word of God and I pray, but it's, you know, I have to fit that in with my schedule in the morning. But on a Saturday and a Sunday, I just have more time, I have more time to read the Word of God, I'm not in a rush. And do you know what I've noticed? Guess what? That's when I really hear God speaking to me through the Word of God because I'm not in a rush and God's not in a rush either. And that's the transformation process. Okay, let's move on to uh, the second uh, one, which is Jesus is the center of the church, verses 4 to 8 and also verse 20. Verse 20 explains uh, what's going on here. Um, Verse 20 says, The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. Uh, some of the things in Revelation are explained. Some of them are allusions or references to things in the Old Testament. Uh, some people say there are as many as 300 allusions to Old Testament uh, or things in the rest of the Bible, or even as many as 450. If you look how many times the word like is used in Revelation, it's 54 times. And the word as is used 30 times. So in the book of Revelation, we have lots of comparisons, as and like. Um, John is using symbols and things to show us what it is that he is talking about. So Jesus is the center of the church. Ephesians 1.22, he, God the Father, put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. uh, Ephesians 4.15, him who is the head. Ephesians 5.23, Christ is is the head of the church. The church is made up of every person who's believed that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins and rose again. So, are you a member of that church? Not a particular denominational church, but are you a member of that church? That's the universal church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's true of the universal church, but here in focus is seven local churches, seven local churches. And Jesus must be the center of every local church. Now, I'm not going to steal anybody's thunder from the next chapters, but Revelation 2 and 3, we see the Lord Jesus speaking to each of these churches in turn. And guess what? They're not perfect. If you find the perfect church, please don't join it. You'll spoil it. Um, about, uh, about a year and a half, uh, about two years ago now, I went on a youth conference and uh, there was a, a young guy, who uh, wanted picked up and I gave him a lift to the conference and we got chatting and it turned out that he had um, his family had attended a church uh, he'd been hurt by some of the things that had happened in the church that weren't very good and basically they'd left the church but now they weren't going anywhere and uh, and he was just kind of drifting along and uh, anyway he came to the youth conference and uh, he was encouraged and we were talking about things and uh, just sort of said hey you know it's it is important to to meet together as believers um Hebrews 10, 24 says, don't 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 give up meeting together as the habit of some is. Continue to meet together to encourage. And um, anyway, this year, uh, a year later, I picked him up and I said, how's things going? And he says, oh, I, I joined the church last year. I've been going all year. And he's super excited. It's it's not perfect, but he's enjoying the church. He's a, a fellowship, people encouraging him. And you can see how he's grown over that year. And so we, we need to be members of local churches, but those local churches need to have Christ uh, at the center. And then we see here a little bit about uh, God the Father. Uh, this says, Grace and peace to you from who, Him who is and who was and who is to come. Now, this is talking about God the Father. We know that because then He talks about the Holy Spirit from the seven spirits who are before His throne. That's referring to the Holy Spirit and from Jesus Christ. So the who is and who was and who is to come is identified initially as God the Father. God the Father, he is the only eternal one. He is self-existent. In the burning bush, do you remember? Uh, Moses in the burning bush, he says, um, well, when I go and tell the Israelites, uh, you know, who who, who sent me, what do I tell them? And and God says, I am. Now, when I was a kid, that was a really confusing answer. It's like, what kind of an answer is that? You know, Um, I am sent me that sounds a bit of a i mean the english teachers would have a fit with that kind of sentence i mean what is that what sense is that i am i am sent me but that is the name of god i am what that means is he's he's present he's eternally present he's self-existent he doesn't need anything he doesn't need food or oxygen or fruit or or, or anything he does not need anything at all god is self-existent he's also uncreated he's also uncreated Why do you think people are afraid whenever they meet God? Why are people afraid in Scripture whenever they meet God? Several answers. It could be the holiness of God. Here you are in the presence of a being who has never sinned, never will sin, never could sin, an incredibly awesome holy being. That could be one of the reasons why people like you and I, we'd be afraid in the presence of God because we are not. But you know what? Another aspect is God is eternal. He's always existed. And we just can't get our heads around that because we had a start. We had a start point. Okay? We didn't eternally exist. We had a start point, you know? And, uh, and we continue. And we're dependent. We're not self existent. We, we depend upon God for every breath that we have. But here's another one What would it be like to stand before a being who was never created? See, that's different. The angels are awesome. You know, the angels will probably make us afraid too. They usually say, don't be afraid whenever they appear. It's usually the first line of every angel is like, don't be afraid, because everyone's terrified of them, okay? Um, But you know what? The angels are created. So as awesome as they are, they are not the same thing as to stand before the uncreated. And you know what? You and I have a destiny with our Savior and our Lord, and one day we are going to stand before Him. We are going to stand before the uncreated one, the self-existent one, the one who is the I am. In verse 5 it says, Jesus Christ is the firstborn from the dead. The firstborn from the dead. Now before Jesus died and rose again on the cross uh, from the dead, before he did that, were other people raised from the dead? They were, right? Some people in the Old Testament, okay, and some people in the New Testament. Jairus' daughter, the, the, the widow of Nain's son, so How come Jesus is the firstborn from the dead? Because Jesus is the first one to be raised with a resurrection body that can never die. All those other people who were raised, they lived for a while and they died again. Because those bodies were not resurrection bodies. They weren't eternal bodies. They weren't transformed bodies. But Jesus has a body that is eternal, transformed forever. And because he has one, you are getting yours too. So, you know, that bad knee that you've got and the poor eyesight and the hearing aid, you know, and all the rest of it, um, not for you younger ones, but uh, it's coming, it's coming. You'll, you'll get your turn, okay, if the Lord tarries, okay. But you know what? All of those things, the resurrection body has none of those, has none of those. It's the it's the perfect person um, that God is going to make you. And Jesus Christ is the ruler of the kings of the earth. Um, in Revelation, we have the phrase, King of kings and Lord of lords, and um, Who's the first person who's called the king of kings in the Bible? In the Old Testament? Solomon? Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, Nebuchadnezzar, he is called the king of kings. And after him, Artaxerxes in Ezra 7:12, he's called the king of kings. But here, John takes these Old Testament phrases and now he gives a whole new application. Jesus is the king of of all kings. Yes, there are kings in this world, but Jesus is the king above every single one of those. Now, down in verse 8, uh, we have this statement, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was to come, the Almighty. Again, this is a statement about God. God is the first and the last. Alpha is the first letter in the alphabet. Omega is the last letter in the Greek alphabet. He's the A to Z of, of everything, and he's got everything in between as well. Je- uh, yeah, God is stating that about Himself. But when we look in Revelation 22, verse 13, we find something interesting. And uh, if you're ever talking to Jeho- Jehovah's Witness, this is a great little thing to take them to because I've never heard them come back with an answer on this one. Okay, who is the the, the one in Revelation uh, chapter 1 who's the first and the last? Yes, that's God the Father. But here, at the end of the Revelation, it says very clearly, Revelation 22:13. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And I ask my Jehovah's Witness friend, and I say, who's speaking? And they usually say, "Uh, we're not sure. And we say, well, have a look at verse 16. Oh, I, Jesus. (laughs) There it is. Jesus is declaring that he has this title that only God is allowed to take. In Isaiah 44, verse 6, God says, I am the first and the last And besides me, there is no God. There is no other God who can take the title, the first and the last. And Jesus takes the title, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the Omega. He takes them to himself. So who is Jesus? He cannot be anybody else apart from Yahweh God as revealed in the Old Testament. There's no other conclusion that you can come to. And one day we will stand uh, before him. Now, I had this illustration before uh, the Queen uh, passed away yesterday, so I'm still going to use it, uh, but I'm just going to have to backdate it a little bit. So I want you to imagine a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago now, uh, you uh, got a a note from the Queen to attend Buckingham Palace. okay? And uh, there you attend with uh, 10,000 other people who are being given different awards for things. Well, let's change it up a bit. Imagine that you get the invitation to Buckingham Palace, but you are the only person invited. And when you get there, the Queen sits down with you, she knows all about you, she interviews you, she gives you the award, the OBE or whatever it is, and and she spends time with you. Would you remember that day for the rest of your life? You would, wouldn't you? Friends, there's a day coming when the Lord Jesus Christ is going to welcome you, each one, individually, to his heaven. And when he does that, he's going to speak to us personally. And you're going to hear the words, well done, good, and faithful servant. All those little acts of service that you've done throughout your life to share the gospel or to help people come to know Christ. Everything you've done to serve God, whether it's doing the dishes, but you've done it unto the Lord, every little thing he's going to say to you, well done, here is your reward. Welcome, Uh, into my home. Well, time's uh, moved on, so let me just come to the last uh, thing here. Jesus is going to be the center of all things. That's verses uh, 4 to 19. And uh, we see there in Ephesians 1 that God is going to put all things under His feet. He already has to the church, but it's not visible to the world. In 1 Corinthians 15, we find out how everything is going to end. Everything is going to be put under the Lord Jesus Christ. All authority and all power is going to be put under Him. Verse 24 of 1 Corinthians 15 says this, Then comes the end when He, Jesus, delivers the kingdom to God the Father. When He puts an an end to all rule and authority and power. Anything that's against God, Jesus is going to finish it. And then He's going to give everything to God the Father. He's going to put everything underneath His Father. And the last enemy that's going to be destroyed is death. And then when he's done that, he says, it is evident that when he puts all things under his Father, even Jesus is willingly subjecting himself under all things to his Father. And then finally it says, God will be all in all. Friends, that's the that's the glory that's yet to come. It can't be changed. It can't be broken. It cannot be stopped. One day, God is going to be all in all. There'll be no more sin There'll be no more suffering, no more death. What a glorious future we have. And we have that because Jesus is going to be the center of all things. He's the center of time, space, and all of God's purposes in the universe. Even if the world decides to rename B.C. and A.D. to, um, you know, before the common era and the common era. Even if they try to get rid of Jesus like that, you can't. Jesus is the center of of history. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the A to Z. He was there in the beginning. He's there at the end. And we as his children, part of his church, we're here on earth to serve him and to get to know him better. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ this evening is the center of all things. We thank you that this plan that you have uh, cannot be changed. We thank you that uh, he represents us even before the father's throne even as we pray now we thank you that he takes our prayers and intercedes for us lord we pray your blessing upon this uh, weekend again we pray for those still traveling to be here Uh, bless them keep them safe help them to arrive here safely and lord for all of us may this weekend we draw closer to the lord jesus christ who truly is the center of all things and we pray in his name amen